does it feel like, I think we've discussed this before, actually with our critical race theory episode, which you all should go back and listen to, that there's this way where I kind of feel like a rock star. You oh, know? totally. When when it's like, oh, this is me. This is She's talking about me. I am every terrible thing. Hi, I'm Rebecca Cohen. And I'm Maya Garantz. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. And today we're ruining us. You love us. And we're ruining us. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We are going to talk about <laughs> lesbian dance theory, the field of study, <laughs> the Republican talking point. Yes. Full disclosure before we really get into it, uh, it's talking about us. Yeah. I mean, we are the target. Clearly, we are the target. Before we do jump into it and really get into it, we do need to touch base. And I want to know how you're doing, Maya. How's your COVID? Are you feeling better? And what beer are you drinking? I am drinking a Calidad. It's about to be really hot in LA. So that's where you start drinking really light Mexican beers. Um, <laughs> the COVID is gone. It physically, it really wasn't that bad. It went through really quickly. My parents uh, just came back from their first trip since the pandemic began. And of course, they came back with horrible COVID. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it just feels and they said, like, in Europe, it's like, everybody's like, we're just living with it. Like, there's no more anything. It's just yeah. uh, crazy. So yeah, everything is is fine over here. I'm drinking my Calidad, and I feel just very targeted by uh, Lauren Boebert. Yeah, so we've got to get into that. Now, how? wait, you're not drinking because you don't have a drink. What's the quickest drink you could get right now? I forgot to get a drink. Well, look, there's. I'm sitting right by the bar. You can't see me, but uh, <laughs> here's a bottle of something. This is the uh, limited edition Game of Thrones Six Kingdoms. Mortlock 15-year-old scotch. Oh, very good. Yeah, very good. I mean, Are you watching this new Dragons thing? Because I'm not. Hot D, like, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I have not been watching Hot D, but I am aware of it and have actually watched some like episode recaps on my nerd channels on YouTube. Okay. Where they recap shit and um, you know, tell you the Easter eggs and stuff. So I I basically know what's going on in the show. I don't have much desire to actually watch it. Right. It, it looks like a lot of reiterating of a lot of the things that we already experienced in the first go through of Game of Thrones. And I don't feel a powerful need to revisit all of that. Yeah, I, I don't either. But some people really need it. Like I was talking to this one dad uh, from my daughter's school this weekend. And he was like, I love Game of Thrones, like you can tell that he is so grateful that it's back. Like it really, the show really fulfilled something very profound in his life and he needed it. And I was like, dang. I mean, good for him. I'm glad that he has it back then. I don't know. I I understand that people like soap operas. And yes. I've 
been inclined to enjoy a soap opera myself, like a literal actual daytime soap and many TV shows that are of that nature, that are just this like serialized ongoing dramas that are constantly just kind of going back and forth and changing and you get into them and there's characters you like. Game of Thrones adds this whole world, this whole fantasy world that you can get into with all these houses and different characters with different agendas. And it's, hey, it's absorbing. I get it. But you don't get it that badly. And how are you doing in general? <laughs> are you recovering or have you recovered? I had COVID like two months ago. I know, but you were still suffering from like headaches and not tasting. And it seemed like a really slow recovery. It was a really slow recovery. And I would not actually say I'm 100% recovered, but uh, the headaches are m way rarer, m way fewer and more far between. And I can even like the past week, I've been able to take my Adderall, my ADHD medication without having intense debilitating headaches in the evening when it wears off. So that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, and I'm able to drink. I've mostly been able to drink without serious consequences related to uh, the COVID. I do still think my sense of smell is slightly dulled compared to what mm. it used to be. Mm. I don't know. I'm sniffing the scotch right now. I think I'm smelling it pretty well. All right. Well, we have some good antibodies for at least the next three weeks. And let's um, get to the main topic. Let's set it up. Lesbian dance theory. Let's give the background. I mean, I think the background is that Biden did this big forgiving of student debt. And for me, in the kind of online circles I travel in, I don't think there was anyone that was like, Forgiving student debt is bad. I think pretty much 97% of my little echo chamber was like, he didn't do enough. There oh, should have been yeah. more. I, to be fair, haven't spoken about this or any other political topic with anyone I know who's conservative or Republican or anything like that. Yes. But yeah, almost everyone agrees this is a good step. It certainly doesn't go far enough. Maybe we'll get more into the politics of it. In yeah, the, yeah. Later yeah, in the yeah, show, because yeah. I first want to kind of talk about the rhetoric of lesbian dance theory. Yes. And and the point is that, you know, Republicans have been attacking Biden's policy of forgiving ten to twenty thousand dollars of student loans for people making under one hundred and fifty thousand or one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. I think it is they, their main line of attack has been that this aid is going to privileged people because by definition, if you have a college degree, you're middle class or upper middle class, you are able to earn money and therefore aren't deserving of help from the government. And the specific phrase that we are so obsessed with, lesbian dance theory, comes from our crazy Lauren Boebert, the crazy one, who says on the Sunday shows, Joe Biden is robbing hardworking Americans to pay for Karen's daughter's degree in lesbian dance theory. So the idea is that the taxes of blue-collar, hardworking folks is paying off frivolous degrees. But yes. she said lesbian dance theory. And when she says that, she means me. Because that's my... I, <laughs> I mean, Maya, when I saw lesbian dance theory <laughs> trending, 
I I was like, I actually think that is what Maya's master's degree is in. Is it not? It's basically that. I mean, kind of. I have an MFA in art and I went to study with Yvonne Rayner, who's a famous lesbian postmodern choreographer. So yeah, yeah like <laughs> it's true. And not only is my degree in lesbian dance theory, my degree was fully 100% paid for by my blue state state university because <laughs> I went to UC Irvine and they paid for the whole fucking thing. <laughs> well, good for good for you and good for UC Irvine for that. I should also disclose that um, I'm not a completely disinterested party in discussing these issues. When the pandemic began, I had almost exactly $10,000 in student loan debt. <gasps> Uh-huh. Oh my god. And oh if god. everything goes as promised, I will have no student loan debt soon. Wow. I'm wow. very now, excited what, about that. What degree was the student loan debt for though? It wasn't lesbian dance theory, but <laughs> it was I think in the sort of general category of uh what lesbian dance theory is trying to convey. It yes. was in film studies or um, cinema studies, as it's called at NYU. There you go. Which is not not studio film, not film production or anything like that. You don't learn any practical skill. It's just the analysis of film, film meaning and film history and stuff like that. So Lauren Boebert's exact quote, and we're about to just break it down into little tasty pieces, is Joe Biden is robbing hardworking Americans to pay for Karen's daughter's degree in lesbian dance theory. Okay, and so I'm, let's just... I must say, breaking it down into little pieces is exactly what our respective degrees have trained us to do. <laughs> Thank you, taxpayer. Thank you, taxpayer. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, taxpayers. So can I start? Please. So the first thing that really jumps out to me about the phrase lesbian dance theory, first of all, back in our day, I, I always thought... The way you talk about a frivolous, useless degree is the, the made up field of study is what? Underwater basket weaving. Underwater basket weaving. Which I think somebody, yeah, somebody used that. Kimberly Guilfoyle used that. They okay. want to have some bizarre basket weaving degree. Underwater basket weaving. That's a classic though. That's yeah. just like there are courses at a university that are silly and pointless and have no practical application or usefulness uh, in your career. Sure, underwater basket weaving. That's that's a classic. So lesbian dance theory, in choosing to use that phrase instead of the classic, Lauren Boebert is being very specific about yes. what kind of person and what kind of degree it should make Republicans skin crawl that they have to pay for, yes. supposedly. Yes. So the first thing I want to talk about is, well, I guess the second thing is theory. The use of the yes. word theory. Yes. It's very specific. It's not a lesbian dance degree. It's not a studio. It's not a lesbian studio dance degree. <laughs> Which really, to be fair, was, I mean, mine was a studio and a theory degree. I a really studio and theory. Yeah, yeah. Yours was yeah. lesbian dance theory and practice. Yes, correct. But uh, theory is a word that I think the right have adopted recently that embodies a lot of their feelings about academia, higher education, uh, intellectualism in general. 
Yes. Theory, I think, to us and to a lot of people in academia uh, is referring to things like critical theory, which is more or less a Marxist lens for analyzing things, for, for viewing texts and for viewing culture. Uh, and then there's critical race theory, feminist theory, queer theory, post-colonial theory. I'm leaving a few out. There's post-structuralism, post-structuralist theory. And in academia, those are often kind of just grouped together as being theory. And um, we've talked about this when we talked about critical race theory. Yes. The Republicans, this comes from the far right. I mean, there is no far right. It's such a weird thing to say. But this comes from like the actual white supremacist right, where they have been using critical theory, which is Marxist in its roots, as this like weird anti-Semitic dog whistle. Yes. So the people who actually came up with the phrase uh, cultural Marxism were critical theorists, the original critical theorists. So there's this link between alt-right uh, fear-mongering about Marxism tied in with anti-Semitism. It's all linked to the use of the word theory. And I also think that they are starting to notice <laughs> mm -hmm. as a group that a lot of the critical thinking and political challenging to a straight, misogynist, white supremacist structure mm -hmm. is coming from critical theorists of all stripes. Exactly. So, Clearly, exactly. critical thinking is leading to a challenge of their straight, white, male, able-bodied authority. Uh, and they do not like that. So theory is like the demon because it is through these kind of strategies of reading the world that come from this, this you know, tradition of critical theory that a lot of people are like, oh, the world doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> right, right. It's the critical in critical theory. Correct. That is very Correct. threatening to them. So theory is a very important word here. It does a lot of heavy lifting here. A lot of heavy lifting. It really embodies how they feel about academia. And particularly, and particularly the humanities. Yes. One of the big conversations that I think you hear a lot of is like, well, what's the use of an English degree? And it's uh -huh. like, and, and this is something we've also discussed in terms of this. I remember like, God, this is like 15 years ago. There was an article about how all of these people in business school had zero critical thinking skills. They like, they had no strategic critical skills. So they were making them read Shakespeare. <laughs> they were like <laughs> the kid, the students that we're getting are so unable to think critically that we have to add literature classes to business school. So I think that there is this way, and you see it a lot, actually, it's gone very deep into um, public school education where schools have to justify their existence by saying we're a STEM school, like mm, technology, mm. education, math, like, you know, science, tech, math, like we're not doing any of that English stuff. Um, and so there's this real way that there's still a lot of a fight right now to justify the existence of things like English history, which, you know, also the yes. right wing doesn't like history, because as you see right now with Ron DeSantis, um, <laughs> history is part of the critical thinking of understanding the present political moment. 
and they don't right. like that. So the humanities in general are extraordinarily dangerous. And theory is the word that has come to embody that, not just academia, but the humanities in academia and what that kind of thinking and reading of the world does to the general voter. It's not just theory, though, that Lauren Boebert is using as a scare tactic. It's dance theory. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting choice because it seems based on an assumption that dance is like the most frivolous thing she could think of. Mm -hmm. To have theory about dance, to study and analyze dance just seems like ridiculousness, like high comedy to her. Yes. And it's yes. hilarious that anyone would apply theory to dance. Uh, whereas, as I'm sure you well know from your academic experience and continued academic practice, like, first of all, you can apply theory to anything. Well, yeah. We could analyze any text and a dance is a text. And I mean, there's, we could, we could do a whole fucking series of episodes breaking down dance and culture if we wanted to go in that direction. Absolutely. In fact, I'm very sorry that we haven't. I'm sorry that we've never ruined <laughs> So You Think You Can Dance. Can we put a pin in that for Lady? Actually, oh my God, So You Think You Can Dance has to be our next problematic fave. Okay. I'm I saying mean, I don't think I've ever watched it. Oh my God. I am claiming it. I am putting my flag in that soil. But yes, okay. I think that it's also this idea that like people who dance don't think about it. There are no right. thoughts. It's interesting. She doesn't say, uh, you know, lesbian film theory or like lesbian right. literary theory. Of like, course it's not. Dance. Like dancing no. is this thing that would be like lesbian sports theory, but she doesn't want to say sports. Like it's No, because sports is their thing. But yes. I think what you're also getting at is the perception that dance is this really self-indulgently art arty, artsy thing to do, that pretentious people who fancy themselves to be artistic and deep do esoteric, weird, avant-garde dance, and it's this thing that regular people can't relate to or derive meaning or enjoyment from. It's not just self-indulgent because it's so physical. I think that part of it is like dance is this physical act that everybody does. So they're taking this thing that should be something that everybody does and they're right. making it elitist. Like she's not saying performance theory. Like those things are already elitist and they exist. It's like they're taking this thing that is like should belong to everybody and doesn't have ideas. It's just the body doing stuff. And they're making it elite. They're, they're putting it on this pedestal. Right. And I think that, that the contrast, it's supposed to be a humorous contrast, right? Yes. Dance theory. Pfft, what? How could you possibly analyze, critically analyze movement of the body to music? Yes. Okay. So on top of all of that, so yeah, it's not just theory and it's not just dance theory. It is lesbian dance theory. Because number one, you got to throw some homophobia in there. It's just yes. not going to hit your base the right way, I guess, if you don't give them a little scare about not just gay people, but 
I mean, it's lesbian, right? It's definitely not gay dance theory because we all know gay men are great, great dancers and a lot of the greatest dancers are gay men. But lesbian gives it that uh, connotation of that sort of like East Village artsy beatnik thing Well, not just that. It's that it's in college. That's where there's a lot of sexual experimentation. Right. That's where there's a lot of very earnest sexual experimentation and that's a dangerous place for your daughter to go right that's also where your daughter who is gay might actually be able to come out after leaving your home or it may be where your bisexual straight daughter just starts to experiment figure shit out but there is a long-standing stereotype around college girls experimenting with lesbian sexual interactions yeah. And and that also because of that college can seem like a very fearful place to send your children because you can't right. control what they do. And I think that that's part of it. I think that's a really good point. Like your daughter's going to go off and like be be exposed to this perversion. Also, the use of the word lesbian um links it to the more common stuff you hear uh coming from the alt right and Lauren Boebert's ilk, uh, which is they often make fun of like gender studies or yes. women's studies as majors. Um, that's what I more often hear as being the pointless, useless major that, you know, turns you into a, a woke cancel culture mob person, right? So, yes. The use of the word lesbian here, I think, is very deliberately connoting that. It's suggesting that. It's like, yeah, it's dance studies, but it's also kind of gender studies. It's kind of women's studies. Which brings it back to everything that they hate about theory. It's critical thinking about gender. It's It's critical thinking about gender. Bad, 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 bad. Bad, bad. Because it's those gender studies people who want to tell me that trans is real, (laughs) that trans people are real. Like, but also that, that women should get paid equal amounts of money right, and right, that men right, are right. sexist and that when a boss tells you something that's inappropriate and that actually, even if it's not fully raped by a stranger, it can still be rape and assault. <laughs> like there's right. many layers right. there's, to how they do not like world. that. Yeah, no, it's a whole world. But what it all comes down to is it's all understandings of the world that they have inherited and are loath to relinquish to allow people to question. And that's what gender studies or women's studies represents to them. That's what theory represents to them. And that's what lesbians represent to them. It's questioning, undermining of the truths that they so desperately wish to cling to, which are also often the truths that reinforce the status quo, which they feel they have some investment in in sustaining. And as you noted, it also genders it. It's not Karen's son who's getting a degree in lesbian dance theory. It's Karen's daughter. Because those girls, those stupid girls, those ridiculous girls want to get these stupid, useless degrees. Yeah. And it's so parentally indulgent to allow this because this isn't... um, a pursuit of concrete skills that can be applied in the workplace. Yes. Because in this 
view of the world, we're going to assume that anyone who majored in something practical and useful is able to pay off their debt, which is That's right. not true. But in their logic, in the world view that they invent, the the fictional world that they invent in their imaginary, that's the case. So the people who are struggling to pay off their debt and need forgiveness are the people who got the useless degrees, which is the whole point of this lesbian dance theory. We're describing the useless degree. And who gets useless degrees? Girls. Women. And who lets their kids get useless degrees? Mothers like Karen. Karen. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to point out, that's a very specific phrasing. She didn't say Karen's lesbian dance theory degree. It's Karen's daughter's degree and we have got to talk about somebody like lauren bobert using (laughs) karen because there i actually think it's the most brilliant part of this because this is a way for republicans to take this term back in a way Mm -hmm. that i think is really got to keep an eye on it so karen for (laughs) listeners who've been (laughs) under a rock is the catch-all name to describe a certain kind of white lady. This is the white lady who, um, for instance, in Central Park, sees a black birder who is like just observing birds, who says, hey, you know, your dog shouldn't be here off leash because this is where the birds are and come nest in Central Park. And she freaks out and calls the police and accuses him of assaulting her, which was a complete fucking lie. And... She's a Karen. She's a white woman who is completely entitled. She's racist. She's uh, not aware of or can't acknowledge her own racism. And she expects the whole world to sort of kowtow and adjust itself to her. And when it doesn't, she freaks out. She calls the manager. She calls the cops. She has white lady tears. Like, this is what Karen is. Yes. Well explained. And and so for Lauren Bobert to use the word Karen is amazing because she is such a Karen, but okay. I mean, she is she is. She's like a mega Karen. Right. Yeah, it, it's kind of um contradictory because you think, well, they are the Karens, right? They're the racist, the party of racism and and racial fear-mongering. And also like wanting to talk to the manager. Like, the GOP are the party of wanting to talk to the manager. Yes! But in this context, by saying it's Karen's daughter, she's very specifically evoking the idea of that, that this is a white person, that this debt relief is going to privileged, entitled white people. And even though that's not going to play on the racism of her base the way she normally would it avoids facing the reality that like half of this aid is actually going to black people yes a a disproportionate amount of people with student loan debt are people of color yes and so it's very important for them for the right wing to try to frame this as being something that benefits people of privilege which is so interesting because normally they get a lot of mileage out of scaring white people about benefits that people of color are getting. Absolutely. But in this case, their narrative is 
that privileged people, people who don't deserve help, not because they're lazy, well, they are because they took lesbian dance theory and all that. Yeah. But but not because they're lazy in the way that black welfare recipients are lazy. Right. It's a different kind of lazy. It's a frivolity. Yes. Exactly. And, and what it's saying to me is the idea of the Karen has been such a profoundly effective rhetorical it's sort of like uh you know the 47 percent or whatever it's like one of those really clear symbolic ideas yes and it took off like wildfire and everybody knows what it is my son knows what a karen is like it's so like it says everything and what lauren bobert is saying is i want to be able to use that word and use it correctly i want to be able to claim that word i want to get out in front of being a karen yeah, I get out in front of being a Karen. I hate Karens too. I disdain them yes. and resent them. And it separates her from Yes, it. and it's not because she's speaking to black people at all. She's not. But no. she's trying to, I just find it really, really profound and interesting that of all the people in the world, she is like using the term Karen. Like, I think that that's I, I amazing. It, amazing. It's really worth noting and well pointed out. I just want to reiterate one last thing as we're um, wrapping up this breakdown of the word choice here. Yeah. It is Karen's daughter. Mm. And that is also very deliberate and specific. It's infantilizing. Yes. It's figuring the student loan debt holder as not a grown adult person, but a child, someone else's child. Yes. And that person, that Karen, has been too indulgent with their child. Yes. And now wants you to pay for it, as opposed That's to right. looking at any reality of who the people are, who carry and hold student loan debt, and all of that. It's it's very infantilizing. And and Karen's daughter doesn't have a name. It's not like... no. Julie's student loan debt, right? It's right. Karen's daughter. She's a non-person. She's a child. Well, only a child would study lesbian dance theory. Right. Let's just be, let's be real about that. So then we've broken down this rhetorical strategy. I want to just take a second to talk about like, Okay, the Republicans are in a place right now. Everybody mm -hmm. is very angry about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. The ma vast majority of Americans believe in abortion rights. We have a president who's just been revealed to have been selling secrets. I mean, it looks so bad. <laughs> and, and whenever online, like there are these Republicans or conservatives, there's this famous phrase in politics, if you're explaining, you're losing. Mm. Um, and Democrats, Republicans, it's always the case. If you're explaining, you're losing. And there have been a couple of things where I've noticed the Republicans really struggling with that lately. One of them is the <laughs> current Trump legal problems over all of the top secret and classified information that he's been secreting unsafely and unsecurely with his handwriting on it all over Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> like yeah, there it's, it's hard you see them really trying to explain it but look man they are losing. There was also another moment related to student debt where uh the Republicans were all freaking out about this excusing of student debt. And 
the uh, the White House had this really fire tweet thread because they've just hired this very young up and comer, amazing social media girl from Jersey who basically found every Republican who's complaining about forgiven student loan debt and listing how much PPP debt they got recovered by the American government. And this and was you, the White House official Twitter yes, account. The, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Like, and it was a long thread. It was fire. a really yeah. long thread. It yeah, was like, well, there's a lot of them that have taken a lot of PPP loans and been forgiven and are now running their mouths about student loan forgiveness. And all of the PPP loans are like, hundreds of thousands of dollars, $183,000, all of them. And what I thought was perfect was that they started with Marjorie Taylor Greene because they're like, that'll get the most attention. Let's start with her. And it was this long thread. And you see all of these conservatives being like, well, it's not the same thing and describing the difference between the PPP loan. And the, it's like, and it's, again, right. if you're explaining you're losing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're fucking losing, dudes. Like, it, it was a very powerful thread. People were really lit up by it. So right now, the Republicans are explaining and they're losing. And what I don't understand, and they're in a difficult state going into the midterms. A lot mm -hmm. of people are registering to vote. A lot of bellwether yeah. elections and primaries are looking like there are a lot of pissed off young people who are pissed about abortion who are going to be out at the polls. Why this game? Why have they decided that this is the hill they're going to die on? <laughs> like, I really, because honestly, Karen's daughter is the one who's working 12 jobs to pay off her student loans. She yeah. is pay. She is making money. She's paying taxes. Like, well, okay. So I think the reason is that this issue and the Republican approach to it just fits so perfectly within the, the pattern of rhetoric and the pattern of illogic that has fueled Republican thinking and talking for decades. It just, it fits right into there. And um, the, the essence of that is this, this idea of like, my taxes shouldn't pay for your blank. Why should my taxes pay for your That's right. blank? Whatever. They love saying that. And when you look at that, that goes straight to the sort of essential philosophy that seems to fuel a lot of people who vote Republican, which is the denial of any kind of uh, community communal responsibility. And it's actually ridiculous on its face because it's like, my taxes shouldn't pay for your blank. It's like, what the fuck do you think taxes are? <laughs> how do you think this works? Because that's how it works. We all pay into a pool and then it's used for things that benefit the community. And sometimes they don't benefit us directly. Like my taxes go to pay for schools. I don't have kids. I'm never having kids, but I help pay for their schooling because... I am a citizen of this country and like I want yeah. citizens to be other citizens well, to be educated. Well, also because, yeah, we all benefit from an educated populace. It's not like, but I think what's yeah. really weird about that specifically is this other thing that I think has been a constant driver of uh, Republican uh, grievance politics which mm -hmm. is, the, I, I think this fantasy that they're not the ones benefiting so most people right. who get welfare are white people. 
but what they focus on are black people who they don't think deserve welfare. Like, I think there are a lot of Republicans and a lot of young Republicans and older Republicans who are about to have a meaningful drain or even just inconvenience taken off their lives because they have ten dollars to $20,000 of student debt they don't have to pay anymore. A lot of their yeah. voters have just been forgiven this debt. And so what I think is, so why would they be against that? Their own voters are benefiting from it. So what they have to focus on is the teeny tiny percentage of students who are majoring in things like lesbian dance theory. Like the number of people who actually study those kinds of things, it's so small. And so they know that, you know, it's okay that you, math major, are getting your, you know, whatever, degree excused. Right. But right. it but these people, the they have to make a these people because there's something so incredibly popular for all voters about getting well, their student loans forgiven. That's the beautiful thing about Republican rhetoric is it, it can make a those people out of anyone. That's right. The Republican voter is never in the category that you're demonizing in their own mind, right? Like if you're talking about poor people who right. receive welfare or benefits from the government, that's not them. That's right. black people, city people, people they disdain. When you're talking about college-educated people getting loan forgiveness – like, even if that is them, that's not them. It's those other ones who have the useless degrees. I can't exactly get into the head of someone right. who's responding to this right. rhetoric. Right. But there's this, like, malleable Republican identity that's, it's a truck driver when you need it to be. It's a right. business major when you need it to be. It's right. Wh whatever fits the situation, it's, they define themselves by what they are not. And I think, again, this is where using Karen is important because what they're saying is, hey, white ladies, you're not Karens. Right. Right. You're not So Karen. it does double duty here. It does double duty Those here. Those are Karens. Those people who major in humanities and, and are critical of institutions. Those are Karens. Yes. They are kind of reclaiming the term that way. And I do think it's very worth noting that this tendency to define your group identity and define your own philosophies in terms of what you are not, in terms of your enemies being the negation of your enemies, that is just fascism. Yes. <laughs> that yes. is one of the major traits of fascism. And speaking of fascism, and again, in terms of the hill that we're dying on. So the mm. new give no fucks Biden, who is the old give no fucks Biden, as our listeners who go back to our dark Brandon Rises episode will note that we've discussed. <laughs> Biden was like, yeah, this is semi-fascism, right? And the Republicans mm -hmm. are freaking out that how dare he say that? How dare he say that? So, but so the hills that they are choosing to die on is Biden calling what we're doing fascism is the most destabilizing thing that could happen, way more destabilizing than a former president stashing highly classified documents all over an unsecured Location resort. Where foreign nationals, some of have whom been, are actual spies. Have been uh, sliding have, in yeah. just with yeah. no problem. Um, exactly. And this highly popular 
I'm like, we're going to die on the hill of this incredibly popular thing that Biden just did that's going to be popular with our people by trying to make it sound bad by creating a group of people who make this a very bad policy that hurts well, you. The reason it's the hill they're going to die on is because they have no choice. If they just let it go, they are letting Biden have an enormous win. And he is buying goodwill with a lot of voters through this action. Yes, he is. And, and you know, you can criticize that. And they are. But um, <laughs> it's not about the actual policy, right? It, it's no. about trying to frame things as Biden is bad and bad for you and he's harming you. And they're getting less and less able to do that as like gas prices are softening and uh, inflation is leveling out. And it's all they can do is try to counteract Biden's successes by trying to frame them. And also, I should also note, we're talking about midterms here, right? Yes, we are. So there's there's no middle of the road voter that you're trying to convince. This is get the base riled up. Get our people who already believe our shit, but get them upset and activated and out to the polls. That's what you have to do, which is why I think you see the Biden communications team leaning in so heavily to, we don't have time for your bullshit, right? dark Brandon shit. Like they are retweeting the dark Brandon memes and doing the Twitter thread about the PPP loans and doing this like, you know what, fuck you thing that I think is very deliberate. It, it's, it's a smart choice because... In the general election, Biden ran on, oh, we're going to heal the divisions. That's a, that's yes. a message yes. to the middle. Yes. But this is not a general election. It's midterms. You've got to get your base out there. And they are recognizing that what will get Democratic voters out to the polls, as they did in 2018, is slamming the Republicans a little bit, showing a little backbone. Right. But what's also interesting is that they're not focusing on something like, um, I thought that their whole thing was going to be like trans kids in bathrooms. Like, they're, oh, I, I yeah, just feel yeah, like yeah. like they have other things that they're doing, but maybe those things are failing uh, in the face of Roe v. Wade. I don't know. I'm just surprised. I'm like, this is the hill they're choosing to die on. All right. This is what they think is actually going to get their base excited is this incredibly popular thing that's, you know, I just, I'm, it's interesting. I think they're, they're on defense here. It's not that they exactly think this is going to get their base excited, but they see Biden's action in, in forgiving the loans as dampening the base's excitement, right? Yes. Biden doing a good thing that benefits people across the political spectrum yes. is very threatening. So they have to go on defense and this is what they're doing. Yeah. They have to try to remind their base, this this is not that good. This is not a good thing. And truck drivers are going to have to pay for uh, people, privileged people. It's just so fucking funny the way, again, their, their definition of what privilege is and what the elite is constantly changes. Like, yes. The, well, it doesn't constantly change, actually. They have a pretty well-defined idea of what the elite is, and it's... 
it's the people with degrees, right? It's, it's not the moneyed elite because that would be like Donald Trump himself. So you can't be like money right. makes you an elitist. Right. But having a college degree apparently does. And when Lauren Boebert says it, I believe she means it. Like a lot of these people are being very disingenuous. They have degrees. But Lauren Boebert, I think, genuinely resents people with higher education. Because she didn't finish high school, right? She did not graduate from high school. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, she dropped out to have a kid. You know what? She wanted to get a degree in lesbian dance theory. It's obviously there's envy, there's resentment, there's profound resentment over there. The path that she never had a chance to take. Oh, Lauren. And now she wants to close it down to everyone. You know what, Lauren? You just come on over. I'll teach you some lesbian dance theory. <laughs> Anybody who wants to know more about lesbian dance theory, I think you should reach out to Maya. Reach because out she to is me. the expert. You are the certified expert on this. Listeners, if you want to learn about lesbian dance theory, you can find me at Maya Garantz anywhere that you're looking for my grants but if you want to talk to us about this in general not just lesbian dance theory but jewish space lasers which was the last <laughs> really sparkling three word phrase that came out of these like total republican nut jobs mouth jewish space lasers which is related to this right because it's like the the evil jew yeah and- i think i think i saw lesbian dance theory open for jewish space lasers at cbgb <laughs> Back in the 80s. So if you want to talk to us about lesbian dance theory, Jewish space lasers, any of it, you can reach out to us at Sauce Podcast on any of the socials, saucepodcast at gmail.com. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash saucepodcast. We want to hear from you. And I cannot really uh, opine about lesbian dance theory specifically, But if you're interested in very uh, uh, granular analysis of cartoons, I have a master's degree in it, people. And you, taxpayer, have just paid for it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, I pay taxes, too. Yeah, that's it. Well, okay. That's the other thing is that all of us have been paying taxes all this time. It's not like the lesbian dance theorists are just like sitting on some, you know, mushroom somewhere, like sitting in some like little <laughs> li- on sitting in a lily pad or whatever, like not <laughs> working a job and paying their rent and paying taxes. Their own taxes are paying off their own student loans. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to these people. And also your taxes are your fucking taxes. They're not going up because of this. It doesn't affect you in any fucking way. Yes. It just doesn't. It doesn't, but we are so playing defensive because it's looking so bad for us that we are just going to have to figure something out, and this is what we're going with lesbians. So if you are interested in hearing my analysis of the evolution of Bugs Bunny through World War II and how the war effort shaped that character... I am interested. I'm interested. Yeah, it was one of the papers I wrote. Look, I will analyze Bugs Bunny with you uh, anytime. You can find me on all the social medias at Gynostar. 
And again, come to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sauce podcast, because the best way to tell us your thoughts, get in a conversation is to join our Patreon and go to the sauce speakeasy, which is our discord channel for patrons only. And, uh, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Adios, amoebas. Mm-hmm.